All right, everybody, we have a little crowd participation. You can look at your neighbor. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, okay, this one's for me. Oh, now, see, y'all don't, you act like you didn't believe that. Anybody ever done this thing where you come to church and you, you hear them say something and you're always thinking, wow, I wish so-and-so could have heard that? I do that every week for y'all. I just want y'all to know that. No, I'm just kidding. It, it, sometimes we come to church and we think, man, this is, this is good and, and other people need to hear this. But today I just want to encourage you to, to hear this for yourself because I really do believe that what, we, what we've come to here in the book of Acts and what we're looking at is it's a message for everyone. Um, so if you have your Bible or they'll be on the screen as well, but if you want to, you can open up to the book of Acts. You can kind of put one finger on Acts chapter 1 and flip over and we're going to be in Acts chapter 6. And there's a reason we're looking at Acts chapter 1 first. And it's this, this, this truth that happens is that sometimes we get going in life and things begin to happen, stuff begins to move, and, and we tend to forget maybe why we're doing things the way that we're doing them or where we came from or what's going on or, you know, and sometimes, I'll just be honest with you, sometimes the way that our Bibles are today, um, I, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but the Bible wasn't written with somebody sitting there going chapter 1, verse 1. It was written all as a letter and some, sometimes later they added the verses and the things like that so that people could maybe memorize those things or see it. And sometimes when we see it like that, we tend to look at it in just sections instead of looking at it as a whole. But I want to remind us today that when you look at the book of Acts, everything that we see happening and what we're going to talk about today, it really all stems from one thing that happened in chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus had died on the cross. He'd been resurrected. He had appeared to the disciples. He had been teaching them, and he was getting ready to ascend into heaven. And he says these words in Acts 1, 8. He says, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's where this all starts. That's the whole book of Acts right there. Jesus came to his disciples and said, look, here's what's about to happen. I'm about to send, ascend into heaven, and you're going to go be my witnesses. The rest of the book of Acts is all about what it looks like to be his witnesses. That's what it is. It all comes back to that. So sometimes when we get going on this, and, you know, we, we talked about Acts chapter 1 a long time ago this year, and now we're up to maybe something like chapter 6, and we begin to see what's happening. Sometimes it's hard to keep all the pieces together because we don't necessarily see how it all fits together. Has anybody seen that movie that came out this weekend, the really big one that's connected to 19 other movies, the Avengers movie, okay, I saw it, and uh, I won't spoil it, I won't say anything about it, but um, we went to see the movie. What I will say is we went, and there were a lot of preschoolers there, so I need to go see the movie again, if you know what I mean, because they were making all the sound effects and talking while it was going on, and I'm like, okay, kids, really, and, uh, but it was okay, I, I made it through it, but uh, we did that, and, and so we went to see this movie, but if, you, if you're not familiar with it, Marvel has done this job of they've put all these movies together and they bring them all together at some point in time. And this is the biggest one. It's coming together. And they have 19 other movies that play into this one. You can imagine that. I mean, all the storylines that are coming together. Well, that's similar to what I'm saying here. Sometimes if you just look at it as its own thing, you, you may get some misconceptions about why this is happening or what's going on. But you have to remember 
that everything that's happening and every, all the stories we see here in this book, it all leads back to that verse in 1-8 where Jesus said, now you're going to go and you're going to go be my witnesses. And then it takes off from there. And so we come today to the point of Acts chapter 6. Now what's happened so far? The church has started growing. Things are happening. The disciples are preaching. They're healing people. They're doing things. The the city notices what's going on, and, and a lot of things are beginning to happen. Now let's look at Acts chapter 6, starting in verse 1. It says this. In those days, as the disciples were increasing in number, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. Now we're just going to pause right there for a minute. And let's just... Let's just let this settle in. As, as life moves on, as your family grows, as your business grows, as your responsibilities grow, as your church grows, you're going to run into trouble. You're going to run into complications. You're going to run into things that are going to be difficult. And so I love the fact that right here, starting in the sixth chapter of the book of Acts, they say, hey, as the disciples were increasing in number." As the church is doing all this good stuff, along came these people who were complaining. And they had problems with the way that things were being done. Now, we don't even have to relate this just to the church. Sometimes this happens in our life. Maybe we're an employer or an employee somewhere and, okay, I don't like the way that everything happens in my business. Maybe we're just part of a family <laughs> and we don't like the way that things happen in our family. The truth is that as things begin to grow and as they begin to develop, difficulties happen along the way. And so we shouldn't be surprised that we face difficulties in life. We shouldn't be surprised we face difficulties in a family. We shouldn't be surprised that we face difficulties in a church. You shouldn't be surprised by difficulties. What this is a picture of, though, is a beautiful way of how to deal when these things come up. So it says in verse 2, the 12, meaning the 12 disciples. Now, when they say as the disciples were increasing in number, they're talking about the whole church. When they talk about the 12, they're talking about 11 that were with Jesus and the one who was brought on afterwards to take Judas's place. It says the 12 who were in leadership summoned the whole company of disciples, which is thousands of people at this point in time. They summoned the whole company of disciples and said this, it would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. Now, why would they say that? What, what was Jesus' command in Acts 1.8? You're going to go and you're going to be my witnesses. This is what Jesus told us to do. Now, along the way of doing that, the church is growing. The church is doing good things. Churches don't grow by just continuing to do one thing over and over again. They grow, and as they grow, they reach new people. They do more things. They have more ministries. They have stuff that goes on. This can be a blessing. This can be a curse. Because as you grow and you begin to do more things, it's difficult to stay focused on what the most important thing is. That's true in a business, isn't it? That's true in a family, isn't it? I was joking with uh, some friends of mine a couple of weeks ago. They're, they had gone from being uh, a husband and wife with two kids to a husband and wife with three kids. So the, the joke there is, oh, you've had to move from man to man to zone here, you know, in the, in the way that you relate to your kids and corralling these types. And it's difficult. So as things grow and as they develop, along with that growth and along with that development comes challenges. And if you get so focused on the challenges, you're going you're gonna to miss 
hey, I've got to come back to what our purpose is here. Or sometimes things begin to grow and they happen along the way that you really like. And it's really good. And it's sometimes even those good things can distract you from doing what you're supposed to be doing. I tell this all the time. One of the things I learned about running a marathon is, one, I'll never do it again. And two, was this, along the way of training to run a marathon, I began, things begin to happen physically that I really liked. Like I lost a ton of weight, which was really nice. I didn't huff and puff going upstairs and things like that anymore. And so along the way of running this marathon or training for this marathon, I really became infatuated with this idea of, man, I'm, I'm losing this weight and I maybe could get back down to high school playing weight, you know, that dream that never happened with all of us adult men. And so I began to focus and I thought, well, maybe while I'm running and doing these things, maybe I could diet as well and this would work together. <laughs> that doesn't work. That's why I'm laughing. Because you know what you need to be able to run that far? Nutrition. Just thought I would share that with you. Because if you're not eating the things to fuel your body to do the things that you need to do, what happens is you end up calling your wife while you're sitting in the ditch on the side of the road going, my head's spinning and I need you to come pick me up. I cannot finish this run, which happened twice before I learned because I'm not smart. Sometimes I don't get things on the first try. So it took me a little bit to push those two together. So sometimes things can be happening and developing and there's good stuff that's going on and we can get so infatuated with the good stuff that it takes away from the initial mission or what we're supposed to be doing. What was the church supposed to be doing? Go and be my witnesses. And along the way, what was happening, they were taking care of the needs of people. And as they were taking care of the needs of people, it became difficult to meet these needs. And some people were complaining about how this was getting done. And so here's what they said in verse 3. It's not, well, verse 2, they said, it's not right for us to give up what we're doing to be waiting on tables. Verse 3, they said, brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom, who we can appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole company. That was a miracle back at that point in time, just to let you know. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas, a convert from Antioch. They had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So you get the picture, right? The church is growing. They're trying to maintain the ministries of the church. And one of these ministries is having trouble being maintained. And they're going to the leadership saying, hey, we have issue getting the ministry of the church happening. And so the leaders of the church very wisely at this point in time say, well, we can't stop what we're doing to deal with this issue. So what we're going to do is we're going we're to appoint others to deal with this so that we all stay on point in doing the thing that God has called us to do, which is to go and be his witnesses. You know, if you stop and think about it, that's how this church and most of the churches that you'll run into are broken down. So it's not rocket science here. I mean, the reason we have preschool ministry and children's ministry and student ministry and choirs and greeters and security and all these things is because all those things happen to minister to people but to also keep things focused on one thing is that we're supposed to be a witness for the Lord in what we're doing. And sometimes we can get distracted because we think, wow, the ministry that I'm involved in is the best and most important thing in the world. And sometimes we get a little short-sighted on that. 
and we tend to miss the fact that, no, I'm part of something bigger that should be doing something to help people share this good news that Jesus Christ has given us with the rest of the world. That's why we do this. You know, we, we come together and worship, not for the sake of having a worship service, but to be together, to be encouraged, to be inspired so that we can go out and be a light to those in our community, so that we can accomplish what God has called us to do. We, we come together and we offer things like Bible study and ministries, not for the sake of offering Bible study and ministries, but so that people can come and learn and be encouraged and grow so that they can then go out and be witnesses for the Lord. And this is one of the things I've shared over the last few weeks that I believe is just very crucial. You know, a lot of people in today's world have, a, have some confusion when it comes to well, what's this, you know, what's the Christian faith all about? What, is it, what does it mean to be a Christian and to walk with the Lord? And I really believe we have a very simple faith, and those of you who know me, um, I don't believe that simple and easy mean the same thing. Simple just means it's, there's not a lot of moving parts to it. We can explain it. Um, sometimes the simplest things are maybe difficult to do, like make a six-foot putt. Simple, but I can't do it, okay? So we have things like that that are difficult sometimes, even though they're simple. So a Christian faith is very simple. And what I've said lately is I, the more that I understand it, the more I believe we come right back to Acts 1.8. And we understand that everything that we're to do in life as a follower of Jesus Christ centers around being a witness for him, period. And when you begin to see the Christian faith that way, number one, you, you begin to understand that it's not just a faith about becoming something, it's a faith about doing something. And so you become a child of God so that you can do the work that he's given us to do. If we, if we just have the one part that I've given my life to Christ and I've become a follower of Christ, then we miss out on the fullness of actually seeing that come to fruition by us doing the faith as well. And so this is what's happening. They're protecting the mission and the vision by saying we're going to share the duties. We're all going to spread these things out. We're all going to do our part so that we can accomplish the goal that God has given us to do. This is the picture that we see happening right here in Acts chapter 6. It's the picture that we see happening in churches all over the place today. And so we want to encourage you to find your place that you fit in the church. That's what we're talking about today. Well, what does this look like for me? But don't, let's not miss verse 7. Because here's what happened. When they handled it this way, look at what happened. Verse 7. So the word of God spread. So the word of God spread. The disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number. And a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. You see this? Because they made the decision to say, hey, we're going to spread this out. We're going to do these the right thing. We're going to stay focused on what it is that we're going, that we're supposed to do. We're not going to get bogged down with things that are even very good. We're going to let other people handle those and these people handle this. And we're all going to keep working this way. Because they did it in such a wise way, the word of God still spread. And the disciples in Jerusalem still continued to increase. You see, the further that we get away in the book of Acts... From Acts chapter 1, verse 8, sometimes we'll have a tendency to forget why they're doing what they're doing. You know, why did Peter do this? Why did Paul do this? Why did they go on these missionary journeys? They're all doing this because Jesus told them to be disciples, to be witnesses for him. That's where it all goes. And the same thing is true in our life. At some points in time, the further away that we get from the source or the origin of why we're doing what we're doing, we forget it. And then sometimes we kind of get off path with those type of things. We always have to come back and ask ourselves, why, why are we doing this? You know, sometimes in church it looks like this, and I'll, I'll tell on churches. If you're not familiar with 
churches or church life sometimes, I'll, I'll tell on us. Sometimes we're, sometimes we're not too good at something. Sometimes we start something because it really needs to happen at this point in time. And it meets needs for people and it helps people out. And then maybe a generation of leadership comes by and it hands off to the next generation. And they begin to do it because these people before them did it. And then we go to the next generation and they're doing it because these people did it. And they were only doing it because these people did it. And then you go four or five generations in a church and you look and you go, why do we do this? And they go, well, I did it because they did it. Well, why did they do it? Well, because they did it. Well, why did they do it? Because they did it. And we, and we stop and we go, is this meeting anybody's needs? No, but we can't stop it. Why? Because we've always done it this way. You know the great thing about this story in Acts? Nobody had ever done it that way before. You know, we look back on it now and we go, oh, this makes sense. But you realize that at the time the church came together and said, we've got to solve a problem. And the way that we're going to do this is we're going to do something that no one has ever done before. Well, now that's exciting. But you say that at church and people go, I don't like that. <laughs> because we've never done it that way before. And it's difficult. But see, sometimes we get lost on this. And I don't, I don't mean to put anything... But some things need to continue, but we need to remember why, that we're, why we're doing them. And then some things that we have done in church or just habits in our own personal life or in our spiritual faith, sometimes those were good for a season, and that season is over. And now it's time to move on to something else. So I know some of you are thinking, oh, my gosh, he hasn't even filled in a blank yet. But we're going to right now, all right? <laughs> because the first blank is this. Seasons of life bring different priorities, don't they? Seasons of life bring different priorities. We walk through different things. Seasons of life, seasons of business brings different priorities, right? If you started your own business or you're a leader at a business, if, if something's going on in the business, it may require your attention in a certain area, and then that gets resolved, and then what happens? You need to put your attention in a different area. That happens. What about in family? I said it before. Sometimes when, when kids are younger, it requires different priorities, and when kids are older, it requires different priorities. But I just want to say this on, on this as well. Seasons of life bring different priorities. But our, our priorities, we cannot confuse the word priority with preference. That's a real key here. Because what was the goal for the early church? To go and be my witnesses. That's the priority. That didn't always fit the preference, I'm sure. But they always had to come. Because I guarantee it's not like the disciples went, oh, we're above waiting tables. We can't do that. No, I'm sure they were going, man, we, we'll wait tables, but it's probably not the smartest thing for us to be doing to wait tables because somebody else could wait tables, and then we could continue doing these things. You get that? I shared this earlier. My, my wife is a, a tax preparer. So our routine of the year is crazy. It's like January is full time. February, March, April are overtime. May goes back to full time. June and July, we're still working. September, October ramp up again because many of you don't know there's another October deadline for taxes. And then November and December, we're able to do things because it's kind of calm and then it all starts over again. And so what happened when my son had his senior year and he played baseball, well, guess what? Baseball season and tax season do this. They overlap. So the desire of my wife, Julie, was to be at every one of his baseball games. But the priority was, I, I can't do that because I have responsibilities and I have a job. And so my job became, 
I'll go to the baseball games, and if one looks like it's going to be more important than another or real important for you to be at, I'll say, hey, we need to take off over here so that we can address over here. But you see how you adjust? Seasons of life and priorities, they just work like that. Her preference and her desire would be not to miss a thing. But sometimes we have to put our preferences aside and say, hey, you know what? There's something that just needs to be done. And I'm the person that needs to do this right now, which means I don't necessarily get to have everything my way. But we still want to make sure that what we're doing is leading us to where we want to go. So we may have needed one thing in the past, but God may be leading us to do a new thing. That's... God can do that with individual lives, God can do that with churches, God can do that with businesses, God can do that with families, God can do that anywhere and any way he wants to. So this isn't just about the church, but you do understand that when I talk about the church, the church is who? It's you. So the church is just a collection of individuals who've said, I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So when we see the words here that the disciples have come together, we're talking about the people who had just said, hey, I, I want to be part of this group. I want to be part of this church because I want to follow and accomplish what Jesus Christ has called me to do. And so this is what brings us to this first point here. Finding your fit in the church, how do you get plugged in? Well, the first thing, you have to be a disciple first. Does that mean if I'm not a disciple or a follower of Christ, I'm not welcome to church? No, 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 no. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is that when you're finding your fit of saying, here's how I want to accomplish what God has created me to do. Here's how I accomplish helping this vision that God has put in the lives and the hearts of the church to go be a witness. Here's how I'm going to help accomplish that. You have to first be a disciple. Because you can't help move God's mission forward in the lives of other people if you haven't first moved that mission forward in your own heart and life. So this is what this is saying. When they said, they didn't say they put an ad out in the paper looking for people to come and serve in the church because we can't find anybody in this church that's willing to take care of these widows. So maybe there's some people in Jerusalem that want to make some extra money and we could get them to come and serve the widows every day. That's not what they did. They went to the disciples, the ones who said, I'm in. The ones who said, I have given my life to Christ I believe in him, and I want to be part of this mission in going and sharing the gospel with those that are in my path. So we're going to start with these people, and they said, okay. Now, this might not make perfect sense, but they said, okay, for us to continue to be able to do what God's called us to do, we need some people to serve the widows. And so the church said, okay, we're going to set seven people aside, and this is going to be your job. You're going to serve the widows so that these people can do this, so that these people can do this, so that the mission continues to move forward. And that's how it works. And so you first, though, have to be a disciple. You have to know Jesus Christ because if not, then it's just a job. It's just a volunteer position for the sake of what? For the sake of making you feel good personally about being a volunteer? You see, that's the difference. When, when, as a follower of Christ, we do still get the benefit that when we serve and when we volunteer, you do still get the benefit of going, man, this feels good to serve other people. And I begin to realize that life's not all about me. But it becomes part of this bigger picture because everything that we're doing is pointing people to know Jesus Christ. And we can all play a part in that. So to first accomplish that, though, you have to say, I am a disciple as well. That's why it said as the disciples were increasing in number, this happened. And then the second thing that happens to get plugged in is this. I have to choose to serve. I have to choose to serve. And sometimes... Choosing to serve absolutely is a choice between this or this or this. And it's not, some, it's not always 
well, the church has these three things, I'm going to pick one. Sometimes it's like, I'm going to choose to do this in my life, and that means I can't do this in my life. I have to figure out which is more important and which is leading me closer to accomplishing what God has wired me to do. The disciples had said, that the 12 said it would not be right for us to give up preaching of the word of God to wait on tables. You see, they had this understanding that one person can't do it all. And in your family, guess what? One person can't do it all. In your business, one person can't do it all. I'll even say this. In your personal life, one person can't do it all. God created us to be interdependent on one another while we're all dependent on him. That's how we're wired. And so he put us together so that we can understand that we do have to make choices sometimes. I, I get to serve here. I can't serve over here. But let me say a little word on this. A lot of times you, you hear people say, so you just need to find somebody. You just need to find somewhere to serve in the church that, that fits your preferences, that fits what you like to do. I'm just going to tell you this. I don't see that in Scripture. I don't. What I see in Scripture is this. You're to go be my witnesses. And then as you're to go be my witnesses, and the church is doing what we're called to do, then there's some things that begin to happen in the church where needs begin to rise up. And then as disciples and followers of Christ, we're supposed to say, I can either meet that need or I can't meet that need, or I'm meeting this need, so I need other people to meet this need. But I don't see it in Scripture to say, well, if you're gifted to work in this area, then you work in this area. I see in Scripture that it says we all have gifts. But what I believe about that is this, is that as you work in the areas of need, God will use your gifts to accomplish that need. Does that make sense? Not, well, I can't work with kids because I'm just not good with kids. That was my excuse forever. It doesn't work, so I already tried it. You can't say that. Or, well, you know, I, I'm not going to do this thing because just God hasn't wired me. Some, sometimes we need to understand our preferences need to be set aside because we're talking about priorities. And let's just, let's just get away from the church and say this. I am a father. I'm a homeowner. Okay, homeowner. Let's just stop right there. All right? There are many things that I would prefer not to do. But as a homeowner, I have the responsibility of saying I've got to take care of these things because it's the responsibility that I have of committing to be a homeowner. And if I don't take care of those things, then what's going to happen? And the home's going to deteriorate or other stuff's going to, and, and so I have that response. As a father, I have a responsibility to do things because I committed to be a father that not necessarily my preference. Does anybody ever choose to eat at McDonald's? I mean, come on. I mean, sometimes we do these things, and it's, you get the four of us in the car and try to decide where to eat, and it's, it's just like, Wow. Were we all related at some point in time? Do we all not like the same thing on the same day? It's just crazy. So sometimes we sacrifice our preferences for the sake of getting the priority things done. And so a lot of times in a church setting, what that means is we look and we say, what needs to happen right now for us to take the next step forward in accomplishing what God's called us to do so that we can go be his witnesses? Sometimes that means the things that we've always done that we really like we get to let those things go, and we get to do new things that nobody else has done before. Sometimes that means we get to bring other people along in the things that we're already doing, and they get the joy of doing some of the things that we're doing. It's not always one or the other, but we have to remember the priority is that we're supposed to go and be God's witness. That's the priority. It's not about our preferences. So we have to choose to serve, and we have plenty of opportunities to serve 
in our church. And now, let me just say this. I, I get to say this when we talk about giving because we're a generous church. It's never hard for me to talk about giving at First Baptist Church because we're an incredibly generous church. And so whenever I get to stand up and say, you know what, the Bible says we should be giving or we should be, I always get to go, and we're doing it. And so that's awesome. Keep it up. And if you're not doing it, join in with the rest of us who are. That's a wonderful thing to say. I can also say this about volunteers. Our church is full of people who are looking for and have found or are finding their place to serve. We're not full of a whole bunch of people where there's like five people doing everything and the rest of us are just here enjoying that. We have hundreds of people who are volunteering in our church, and so it's awesome. And so what I'm really talking about is two things. One, if you're sitting out there going, man, I'd like to find a place to plug in and serve and find a place to volunteer, we'd love to help you do that because most of the people around here are doing that as well. And so I even give you pastoral permission to do this. Try some places. If it's not necessarily the thing that fits at this point in time, then try a few things before you say this is where it is. But understand, we're not just trying to find your preferential fit. We're trying to say this is what we need to help the church move forward at this time. And so if you can help us here, then we would love to do that. What we don't need is the same thing that you don't need in your business or you don't need in your home is 200 people coming and going, i got a great idea for how you'd grow this church. We've got a plan, and we're trying to work that. So remember this. I've said this before. If you see a need in our church, maybe you pull in each week and you go, it always frustrates frustrates me that the pastor can't say frustrates. It always frustrates me that this doesn't get done or that doesn't get done or I can't believe people at the church don't see this or why don't we have one of those. God's probably not laying that on your heart to give to someone else. He's probably laying it on your heart because you've chosen to be a part of this church. And he's going, great, I keep trying to show you what I'm trying to get you to do. You see that? And so then you can get a part of what's going on. So the the first thing is there, we're not always about preference. And then the second thing here is that we need to understand that, that we get to come together and move this forward. It's not just all about me and it's not me all alone. So that brings us to the last thing. See my spot on the team. Okay, see my spot on the team. It says here in Scripture that the disciples said, we'll devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they're saying is, we're going to do this part of the work, you're going to do this part of the work, you're going to do this part of the work, but we're all going to be accomplishing this goal of being the witnesses that Jesus Christ has called us to do. So everything that we do, every ministry that we have, every position I mean, even in the church, if you look at it from greeters to extended session to kitchen volunteers to Bible study leaders, everyone should have the singular purpose that First Baptist Church is fulfilling the call of Jesus to be a witness for him. And that's how you set the priorities in your personal life as well. You might not think that, well, we're talking about organization and church. No, 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 this works personally as well. When you look at all the things that you're choosing to do and you realize, what is it, why am I a follower of Christ? I'm a follower of Christ for really one main reason. Because he told us to go and make disciples. He told me to go and be a witness. And so I need to make priority decisions in my life that are going to help put me in a place where that's happening. And that's what we do as a church. We all push it to this one place. We say it like this. We say First Baptist Church will be a place where people will discover that they're fully known and fully loved by God. And we use that phrase to remind us of every decision that we make around the church, it all comes back to this. So when we choose to do something new, 
it's because we're trying to accomplish this vision of helping people discover that they're fully known and fully loved by God. Or when we choose to not do some of the things that we've done in the past, we do that not because we just don't like him anymore, but because we think God's narrowing our vision and saying, hey, we, we want to continue to do these things so that people can discover that they're fully known and fully loved by God. That's where we always come back to. So you have to understand that this is how it works. God calls you to follow him. And if you've accepted that call and you know him and follow him, then God has not called you just to be a Christian. He's called you to do as well and to live it out. And when you're doing that, you're going to find your place of service. And I'm just going to go ahead and say this too. Not every place of service is going to be in the church either. Some of you are called to serve in the community and to serve in other ways, but we're all called to serve and be a light uh, for him in whatever way he's done. Now, one, one last note before I get to the last blank. I honestly, and in a very sincere way, I did my scripture search and I looked for the word retire. Anybody, anybody interested? I looked for the word retire one time in scripture. One time in scripture. After 25 years of service, the priest got to retire. Nobody else retired in scripture. Just thought I would tell you that. They moved on maybe to do different things. As a matter of fact, if you read it closely, it says, so-and-so lived this long and then they went on to be with the fa their fathers, which means that they passed on. Which what scripture over and over and over gives is this image that we don't get to retire from God's service. Might it change? Sure. Is it going to look different? Yes. Am I going to be able to do at age 115 what I could do at age 25? No. But is there a place of service for me to continue to serve my Lord in such a way that fulfills the call that we're supposed to go and be his witnesses, you better believe it. And you know what's really cool about this? Is at 40-something years old, I can't remember six or seven, was it seven, 47 years old, I had a birthday this year already, so 47 years old. I have no idea what it's like to live my faith out at age 85, so you're going to have to tell me. So if you're coming to me to go, Hey, how am I supposed to do this? I'm like, I don't know. I'll tell you in about 40 years. But you show me and I'll do better when I get there. So that's what it looks like to live our faith out. So let me just close with this thought. When I live my life on mission, I'll be willing to do anything while seeking to do what's best. All right? When I'm living my life on mission, I'll be willing to do anything while seeking to do what's best. Anybody here ever been on a mission trip? Here's what I've learned about mission trips. Here's how I explain them to people. I always say this, we're going to go on a mission trip, and what we said we're going to do is, and that's how I always set everything up, because what we say we're going to go to the trip is irrelevant by the time you land sometimes, and the person that you're going to serve says, I don't need that anymore, I need this done. And so you're just there to serve and accomplish the thing that God's put you there at the time. So that's why we say, we'll be willing to do anything, but seeking to do what's best. This is the picture that we get from Scripture today. When the disciples said, hey, look, we're willing to serve tables. We're willing to do whatever we need to do. But man, we really got to look to see what, what needs to be done that's the best thing. And so I just want to encourage you one of two ways. If you don't know Christ, I can tell you it is incredible to follow him. Because it's not just about being a Christian. It's about doing life his way. And he wants you to know what that is. And for those in this room who have already given their life to Christ, I just want to encourage you. If you're already serving in a place, that's awesome. Pray 
and, and just ask God, is this where I need to continue to serve or is this season over? Is it time to do something else or I just need to hang right here? That's great. If you're not serving somewhere, find a place to get in and get involved because it's a real exciting thing when you're getting to live out what God has put in your heart to do.